The distillery in Rutland Place is fascinating. Just off Lothian Road, you descend a flight of stone steps and enter what feels like a blend of nightclub and old-fashioned gentleman's club. The multicoloured floor lights of the entrance corridor, with tasting rooms lit in purple and gold to one side, contrast with the comfortable leather armchairs in what feels like a library dedicated to gin. The creation of Edinburgh Gin was the dream of one family, as I heard from master distiller Dave Wilkinson. Well, officially Edinburgh Gin started back in 2010. It was set up by Alex and Jane Nicholl, and the company then was known as Spencerfield Spirits. It was a, a very small family business that was ran from their farmhouse over in Inverkeething. Now, at this point in time, they didn't have enough capital to, to build a physical distillery, but they did develop the Edinburgh Gin recipe with a master distiller at a larger distillery, and, and he produced it, and Alex and Jane bottled it and distributed it and, and basically built the brand. And once Edinburgh Gin had been established in the city of Edinburgh, they knew they were ready to bring things in-house. And we built this distillery that we're sat in here in 2014. And that's when I was recruited to basically oversee the distilling and the production. Their son Finley and, and Taryn here took over to, to manage the visitor centre and make us a, somewhere the public could visit and, and see the whole experience very close at hand. Uh, Sorry, before you go on, you say you built a distillery, but where we are at the moment, it's a very unusual place. You're in one of the Newtown houses, the basement of it. You've got a hotel above you. It's a, a beautifully set-out place, but it is highly unusual. Yes, I don't think there's going to be any other distillery quite like this anywhere. It was certainly done with the balance of being a genuine production site, but also a visitor centre and an attraction at the same time and while in many ways it's a very beautiful thing you know there's no distilleries that quite have the the cozy feel that this has uh, it can be a bit challenging from a logistics perspective when you're trying to produce the amount of gin that we do and you're in the the basement of a hotel but the key thing is you have another facility down in Leith which actually is not open to the public but it does produce the the bulk product that you need Yes, that's absolutely right. We have had this distillery here for four years. Uh, the second site down in Leith we've had for, for two years. We realised not long after moving in here that the small stills that we have here couldn't realistically keep up with the demand as Edinburgh Gin continued to grow. So as of 2016, the original Edinburgh Gin has been produced on a considerably larger still down the road. Uh, that one makes about 1,300 bottles of gin uh, per distillation but we do still use the two stills that we have here for all of our seasonal products uh, they make about 160 bottles of gin per distillation and they produce things like our cannonball navy strength gin our seaside gin and our christmas gin now i was going to ask about you know, what, what is the difference between those three that you've mentioned the seaside gin is uh, a taste of the east coast of Scotland. So we chose botanicals that are native to the sea or, or to, to the shoreline and the clifftops, and they give a, a very, very fresh, herbal and quite savoury flavour to the gin. Without going into detail, can you give us a hint of what's in them? Yes, yes, of course. Well, we use um, bladderwrack seaweed, the one with all the bubbles on the leaves, and then we have scurvy grass and ground ivy from the shoreline. The scurvy grass giving it a, a slightly warm, spicy flavour, and the ground ivy being a relative of parsley adds a, sort of a, a freshness to the other two flavours, which are somewhat more intense. You mentioned, did I, did I hear cannonball? Yes, Cannonball is our Navy Strength gin. 
Unlike a lot of Navy Strength gins, this isn't our standard gin simply bottled at a higher strength. It's a completely separate recipe. We've put in extra juniper, extra citrus peel, and we've also put in some Szechuan pepper and cardamom. So a very full-flavoured and spicy gin, bottled at 57.2% alcohol, but all of that extra botanical flavour that we've used means that it tastes a lot smoother than you might expect at something of that strength. I can imagine your Christmas gin is uh, very much a seasonal thing. Yes, absolutely. Although we do sometimes get requests for it throughout the summer, which is quite unusual. <laughs> it is obviously designed as, as a winter gin. It's uh, very warm, spicy flavours like um, cinnamon, cloves, nutmeg, ginger. We do also have frankincense and myrrh in there, so a bit of a play on the Christmas story. Those add a certain depth uh, and a few perfumey notes to the gin. And it is definitely designed uh, as one for the cold weather, but I think because it's something very different, it, it does have its fan base, and we do have requests throughout the years like saying like oh have you got any bottles left we'd quite like to get hold of one although this year we have pretty much sold out by the time January came around. <laughs> Given you've got visitors coming through from a practical point of view from a managerial point of view do you find there are any complications as far as that is concerned? There's pros and cons certainly I mean obviously in terms of health and safety regulations we had to invest an awful lot of money because the regulations were made so so stringent uh, given that we have public visitors of the distillery uh, the safety regulations are, are tough enough when you're setting up a distillery but when it's open to the public they're even stricter and we did have to invest a lot of money in absolute state-of-the-art equipment for that but the benefit is that it's nice that people can see things up so close and it's good to be able to interact with your customers and let them see everything getting made firsthand and it gives them a real feel of, of what we do and why we do it and why we have so many different recipes and it's always nice to get feedback on which people like, which people perhaps think could be improved and, and, and listening to all that customer feedback helps us always strive to improve and make our gin the best it can be. It's unusual location, interesting decor and architecture and the fact you can watch the whole process from behind the safety of thick glass windows means this is a popular place with visitors. Another unusual feature is that those visitors can even create their own special bottle of gin using their own botanicals. It's something that makes the job of visitor centre manager, Taryn McAllister, that much more interesting. So we do a couple of different types of tours, but the idea is to really get them in. They actually get to see the distillation usually happening or some sort of prep work to do with the still. And that's really up close and personal because we're such a small space. We do tours including history of gin, showing them the botanicals that go into our different various products. And we also do lovely tastings with them so they get to see a whole range of ways that we work here. When I arrived here earlier, there was a whole group of people being tutored, but not just in the taste of the gin, but also it was very clearly there was the whole process behind it. We give them a history of gin, usually telling them about how gin was produced right from the start of production really up to modern day. And we tell them the botanicals going into it, but also, yes, when we do the tasting, it's not just about what they're tasting, how to taste it, why we created it, when to drink it, how to drink it. We really like to give people an overall view of the whole process from how it's made to how to drink it. The thing that intrigues me is the idea that people have a chance to create their own unique bottle. Yes, uh, the gin making is really popular. Um, we take very small groups, only about four or five usually, and it is a chance for people to get really, really hands-on. You know, we, we tend to find people come in to do the gin making really do have a large cl collection of gin at home or um, know quite a bit about gin but want the chance to find out, how do I do this? We've had people bring their own botanicals in. Whether or not they can be used is another matter, but um, we find people love 
experimenting with flavour and really trying to get the essence of what they want to drink. The curious thing is that my own wine and spirit shop had, last Christmas, the various botanicals mm. that you can use to create your own at home. Presumably this is a bit more sophisticated than that. Yes, so we don't advise anyone goes and buys a still and does it at home. Um, <laughs> that is illegal. <laughs> but yeah, there's endless combinations. Gin is such a varied spirit. As long as it has an alcohol percentage above 37.5, although we choose a little bit higher when we're making our gins, and as long as the predominant flavour is juniper, you're free to use as little or as many other things as you wish. So... We do distill the gin, it's not just an infusion, we um, talk them through the whole process and so yes, it was a little bit more scientific potentially. What you are now here is very much a tourist attraction. How does that impact on the business? It's quite an unusual tourist attraction compared to maybe some of, some of the other big ones in Edinburgh. I, I like to point out that I'd, I'd actually say most of our visitors are from all parts of the UK, so we get a lot of domestic tourists rather than international tourists. I would say it's probably about 60% domestic tourists. In terms of day-to-day running, I think it really is a great chance to show people what we're doing. When we first started the distillery, it was much more about having a place to distill, and the tourist attraction, visitor attraction, came second to that. It was kind of, we need a space to do the distillation. If people want to come and visit, that's great. And then word of mouth. To be honest, we didn't do much. We didn't do any advertising to get people in. It was people just having a great time and wanting to come back and telling people, which, is, which has been a lovely way to expand the tourist side of it. Now owned by Ian McLeod Distillers, the company has benefited from investment and a security about its future, including the encouragement to experiment with new recipes, something Dave Wilkinson's only too happy to do. We get feedback on which of the ones that we currently make uh, resonates with what type of people. We've got a lot of variety in the range and some flavours appeal to some and, and, and other flavours appeal to others. But you sort of get a feel for, for what works and what doesn't. And we also do a gin-making experience here where people can choose their own botanicals and put their own gin flavour together just for a one-off bottle. And seeing which botanicals people constantly seem to go to can give you a bit of information on what flavours are most likely to be popular in a final gin product. So are there any flavours which are particularly popular? I can imagine things like cardamom, for example, is quite popular. Cardamom is definitely a popular one, and that is in three of our gins. I always resist the temptation to go back over the same ground. You know, whenever we make a new product, I want it to stand out from the rest of the range in its own right. So although something's popular, you don't want to just use it again and again and repeat the same tricks. You want to keep your products unique from one another. Citrusy flavours are generally very popular, and quite a lot of people like some spicy peppery flavours in their gin as well. But something that really intrigued me is the idea that you're actually able to incorporate much more delicate flavours, flavours of flowers, for example. That does strike me as being perhaps not unusual within the, the gin industry, but it, it must take a bit of doing. Floral botanicals are probably the trickiest to handle. The majority of our botanicals, we steep them in the alcohol in a process that's known as, as macerating in order to, to soften the skins up and help to release their essential oil. Floral botanicals are, are a little bit different as opposed to things like seeds and berries. The flavour is usually more on the surface and the plant matter is a lot more delicate. So we use what's known as vapour infusing for that. We put them in, in little bags and we hang them in the head of the still so they're never submerged in the liquid and they're never too close to the heat source. But it helps to extract the lighter, delicate flavours without actually damaging the plant material which would sort of lead to off flavours coming through. You'll visit plenty of distilleries and some will say that they like to macerate, some will say that they like to vapour infuse. I like to use the right method for each individual botanical.
Okay, so what's next? How do you see Enbridge progressing? We always strive to be innovative and different, and we always like to have a a scientific approach to what we do rather than just blind trial and error. So we do work with Harry Watt University, where I graduated from. I still go there to do research in the labs from time to time, sort of keep on top of product development and analyse things in a, in a scientific manner. The distillery is open seven days a week, though tours have to be booked in advance. As we've heard, this is a place like no other. No wonder that TripAdvisor voted one of the top tourist attractions in Edinburgh.